plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Partners, it is a Star Style Day. Welcome to Star Style Be the Star You Are, brought to the airwaves under this species of Be the Star You Are charity. I am Cynthia Bryan. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. I am excited for today's show because it really is about star style. In our segment two, you will be meeting a novelist, author, Sarah Lynn Brooke, and we're going to be talking about her newest book, Daytime Drama, which is all about Hollywood. So it's one of my um, favorite topics, and we'll be talking about acting, and also um, it's about a show that takes place in Napa Valley from where I am from. So it should be very fun um, and creative, so you want to stay tuned for that. In segment three, it's going to be how to be more creative, how to eliminate stress, how to prevent weight gain, give yourself a reality check, and just how to stay in shape mentally, physically, emotionally to increase your creativity and your self-confidence and self-esteem. A lot of good things. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. You can visit the website bethestarur.org. And this is from Fanny Bryce. Let the world know you as you are, not as you think you should be. In other words, like I say at the end of every show, be your authentically, unapologetically authentic self. So first, we're going to, when we talk about being unapologetically authentic, um, this segment I want to devote to um, lies that we tell at job interviews. It's, um, you know, obviously so many people have been out of work and I know I'm getting emails and ask with people asking if I have any referrals for um, jobs in the entertainment industry, etc. But what happens in a, a job interview? And according to a lot of research that has been done and to statistics, uh, it is job interviews are really an exercise in deception sometimes. I mean, career coaches and researchers who study falsehoods of all kinds say, yes, that is true. Because when we're children, we're socialized to tell little white lies, you know, like, when grandma gives you a gift and you really think it's horrible, you don't say it's horrible. You thank grandma and say how great it is. Or when somebody doesn't look nice, you don't want to hurt their feelings. You might just say, you know, it's okay. I mean, you don't say anything nasty. Or if you're at somebody's house for dinner and the food is terrible, I don't think you say that. And job inf- interviews are kind of a higher stake extension of this dynamic. And Uh, The University of Massachusetts at Amherst, a professor of psychological and brain science, uh, Robert Feltman, 
says that in these kind of situations, they're almost designed to encourage lying because candidates must put their best foot forward and managers have to sell the job. So there's mistruths that exist on both sides from slight exaggerations to complete fabrications or omissions, which will help avert potential bias. But sometimes it can actually destroy careers. And I know in the acting business, it's one of those things of high, you know, how high can you jump? It's like when you go into an audition and a casting director says, you know, I mean, could you could you jump over this cliff? It's like, oh, yeah, if you feel like you're super person, you know, oh, yeah. And you'll you say anything just to get the job. And of course, sometimes you do get the job and then you can't do it and then you get fired. So it's always better to tell the truth. But I'll give you just one quick story from my career. And that was, um, I don't even remember when exactly it was, but it was in the days when they were doing commercials for cigarettes, when you could still have cigarette commercials. And I was brought in to audition. I wasn't asked if I could smoke or anything. I was just brought in for what they call a look-see, where they just look to see if you're the right type that they wanted on the billboards and the cigarette ads. Well, I've never smoked in my entire life. But they didn't ask me, and I get a call back. But so I figured at the call back, I figured they weren't going to have you smoke. They they just wanted a face, you know, to be on it. So I wasn't too worried. But on the call back, they flew me to Los Angeles. And um, they handed me a pack of cigarettes. And they told me to to light up as they were filming. Well, I'd never even lit a cigarette. So it was a filter. I lit the wrong end first. So that kind of gave it away. Um, I shoved it off his nerves. But then somebody lit the cigarette for me. And I just held it. And I thought, okay, maybe I can get away with just holding it very pretty, you know, very sexy holding the cigarette. And... Um, the casting people and there were the 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 ad agency was there they said no you have to smoke it well I would I was like oh my gosh I took one puff I have no idea what happened after that I passed out and I was laying on the floor pretty soon several people were were fanning me and and I had to get up and so anyway, it was just really a quite, um, a, a, quite a funny situation. Obviously, I did not get the job, and I decided right then and there I would never, ever audition for anything that I absolutely couldn't do, and definitely not a cigarette ad. But I thought that was a good illustration of, you know, it's like a white lie. Even though I was never asked, I did accept the audition. So I want to just give you some ways that people do deceive people. Um, one way people deceive is by trying to ingratiate themselves with somebody else. You know, it's really about trying to make a connection with the interviewer and maybe trying to appear more likable or similar to the interviewer than you actually are. People laugh at jokes that they don't find funny or they twist their own interests to fit what the interviewer likes. Um, and so, you know, like if you say, if you see a picture on the person who is doing the interview of, on their desk of them with a dog, and maybe you say, oh, what a beautiful dog. I love dogs. My dog, blah, blah, blah. And maybe you don't even have a dog. So 
you know, it's probably best to stick to the truth. <laughs> Another uh, way that can uh, candidates frequently um, mislead is when it comes to their expression of interest. You know, perhaps they all they really want the job for is to have a paycheck so they can pay the rent, you know, put food on the table, etc. But instead, people aren't going to confess that the only reason they want to work is to have a paycheck. They're going to make up all kinds of of things about how, you know, they wanted to work with widgets since the time they were a child. So just rethink all of this stuff. Um, Candidates tell two to three lies on average in a 10 to 15 minute interview. The research from Dr. Feldman has established. And uh, in 2019, there was a paper from a group of researchers at, um, from Ontario, the University on Ontario, And each of 775 participants surveyed admitted that they would exaggerate or conceal at least something in a job interview. Now, fewer people fabricate entire stories, but most will fudge a little bit of the details. They estimate that 80% of people embellish some experience and 20 to 30% of people would do things like they might in you know, invent a degree, or they put something on their resume that a job that they never did. So that leads me to resumes. Sometimes a resume is just a lot of mistruths. Like if someone invents that degree, um, or or they might invent an an award. Say they got an award when they didn't, but they may also be dotted with omissions that are warranted. Uh, it's prudent to remove information like your graduation year or your address because you don't want to have bias. You don't want to be passed over for a job because of your age or the fact that you might live in a different city. I mean, if you really want the job, you might even move to a new city. So you want to take off your resume anything that could um, make you feel like that you are going to have bias against you. Sometimes people tend to inflate their skills, especially their computer programming skills or even their language skills. You know, they may ask you if you are proficient in a language uh, because maybe they have a lot of Spanish speakers or, or Chinese speakers or German speakers. And, you know, proficiency in a language might be Um, Something that's very subjective because what you may think is proficient may not be fluent. And there's also um, kind of a conspiracy going on between the liar and the person who's being lied to because they both want the lie to be true. And when that's the case, say in the case of a compliment, we just accept it. But um, we want to not claim fluency in something that we are not fluent in or that we don't have experience in. It's not how high you can jump. Um, any, every interviewer is probably going to swear that they've got a fabulous corporate culture because most likely the people that are doing the interviewing have, have been cherry-picked as the corporate cheerleaders, and they have been chosen to meet the ranks of the candidates. So they're probably not the best people to ask about the corporate culture. You may want to just investigate that a little bit more on your own. And also, uh, if you're asking about 
how is the working conditions? Are there long hours? Um, you know, do they have what days off? All of that kind of thing, especially if you're, um, especially if you really want this job, but you really don't want long hours, et cetera, just remember the person interviewing you has to fill the job. So they may just gloss over it a little bit. And maybe what's tough for one person may not be tough for someone else. And the same thing when it comes to salaries, uh, People often lie about what they were paid before. Sometimes you can find out, but still it's one of those occasions where it might be better to avoid spilling the beans too early and stating what you had in groups that have historically been discriminated against in the workplace are often disadvantaged by questions like this. So whatever you're going to do, just remember a lie can backfire on both the employer and on the future employee. So it's always better to tell the truth as much as possible. And if you're going to ask what percentage of people they've hired have taken a rapid path up the corporate ladder, be prepared that that might be a little bit of a lie as well. Well, you're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. When we come back, we are going to talk about the daytime drama novel by Sarah Lynn Brooke and how um, how her character was the star of Napa Valley. We'll be back in a bit. So turn the volume up. Sarah Lynn will be with us. Don't go away. Be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back. 
back to the power party. This business of show business. Well, we are back, and I am Cynthia Bryan. I'm the host of Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and it is a star-studded show today. I've been so excited that Sarah Lynn Bruck was going to be coming on the show with her newest novel, Daytime Drama. She, uh, Sarah Lynn, who is living in Philly now, actually grew up here in the San Francisco Bay Area, but also lived in Southern California, where she really enjoyed all that the entertainment industry (laughs) had to offer, all the creativity. So she actually uh, has written a novel about it, and it is called Daytime Drama, and we are going to talk all about it. Welcome, Sarah Lynn, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you for having me on. Well, you know, it caught my eye immediately because, first of all, the, um, you, it's daytime drama is all about a soap opera. I, as an actor, yeah. I actually never worked in soap operas, but I had a lot of my acting colleagues that they came up the ropes doing soap operas. But what really attracted me is that the name of your soap opera was Napa Valley, where I am <laughs> from. <laughs> so I thought... This is just so much fun, so much fun. So let's start uh, kind of at the beginning of Mm -hmm. uh, what prompted you, because this is your second book now, and uh, you Mm -hmm. actually wrote Designer You, which won the 2019 Indie Star Book Award and was included in the 2018 35 over 35 list. Congratulations. Thank you. That's so cool. So uh, what? Right, let's go to a, what really prompted you. What was the impetus for you know going south to Hollywood and finding your actress Calliope Hart and writing about her and yeah. Napa Valley? Uh, well, as you as you just said, I I am from the Bay Area. I'm from a warm climate, um, and we moved to Philadelphia in 2007. And I have never gotten used to the winter here. Never. I'm it is California so cold, girl isn't it? through and through. <laughs> I know. Yes. Well, actually today it was in the sixties, which feels like heaven oh, right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> See, I, I don't know. I don't know how people can move from California to cold areas. Cause when it gets below 50, I'm freezing. You know? <laughs> exactly. No, I know. I, and I still am. I'm still like that. I've never gotten used to it. And so in, in 2017, it was in the winter. It was like you know, January, February, and I was freezing as usual. And, um, and I was, you know, thinking about ideas for my next book. And I just thought, I think I just want to be someplace warm in my brain, even if it's just, I can't actually physically go there. Um, but I just wanted to, to kind of live there for a little bit in my head. And, um, and we had lived in Hollywood. We had, um, my husband and I had lived in Hollywood um, from 2000 to 2007, and he worked in the entertainment industry, and I just sort of put two and two together. I oh, thought, perfect. Oh, you know, that sounds fun. It sounds fun to write, and it was. It was actually a, a blast to write. I was, I was really, it, it was so much fun. I miss these characters even now. Well, it was a blast to read because I identified <laughs> so much with so many things because besides being an actor for my life um, and growing up here in uh, growing up in Napa Valley and living Mm -hmm. in the Bay Area I used to uh, obviously work in Southern California had an apartment down there and would commute for (laughs) acting jobs and um, when I I love the fact that you write about your a 12 year old son 
who wants to be a comedian or, you know, he wants to get into the acting world in some way, do commercials <laughs> or something. But his yeah. diva mom, Jessica Sinclair, is adamant that he's not going to act until he's 18. And what resonated so much with me, Sarah Lynn, is I have been an acting coach for many years, specializing no in kidding. kids. Yeah, I'm an oh, act wow. and I'm an acting coach and I specialize in young people. And I oh. I mean I think why it happened is because from the time I was a little girl, it's all I ever wanted to do was be an actor. And my cousins tell mm-hmm. me from the time I was three, I was writing, producing, and starring in all these plays <laughs> with all my 36 cousins. I gave everybody a part. And we, you know, we performed them for the parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles on Sundays. You know how that goes. But That is so great. <laughs> but my parents said, no child of ours is going to be an actor because acting was the next best thing to prostitution. So I I think what resonated with your with 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 your story is the fact how important it is to support our kids in their dreams because they're going to find a way to do it. So yeah. a, as an acting coach, I just always have supported parents and the kids in letting them know, hey, listen, just you know, just work with the kids. If they don't like it, they can they can stop. But um, and it doesn't have to take over your life and you shouldn't become a stage mom. And, you know, they don't Mm -hmm. have to get into the the sex, drugs and alcohol (laughs) and rock and Mm -hmm. roll and all the stuff that happens to Hollywood kids Mm -hmm. sometimes. Just be a good parent. And anyway, so your book just your your book touched all of these issues. And I thought it was awesome that he finally does get to go out and. And, um, you know, knocks him dead at the comedy club. (laughs) And do his thing. Yeah, I think because he's at that age where he's, you know, I remember I have a teenage daughter. And I remember almost to the day when she would just kind of lean all, you know, hang all over me, basically, since she was born. And it was right around, you know, seventh grade when she started to literally separate from me. Right. She wasn't you know, holding my hand anymore. She wasn't leaning into me while we were taking, you know, a ride on the train or something. You know, she wasn't doing that as much. And, you know, and that's absolutely a natural thing that kids do. But she was also, you know, trying to figure out who she was separate from me. And that's what Jonah is doing with his mom, Callie. Yes. Well, I w- let's talk about each of your characters because they're so yeah. well developed. I can just see them in my mind's eye. <laughs> uh, and I know I, Callie, having been on the show 25 years, basically never having any other job. And then right. her show is getting canceled and she's feeling old. And what I think she, you, you have her, she's only like 41, right? Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's. I mean, <laughs> who thinks forty-one <laughs> is old? Oh my goodness! Uh, you know, I, but again, with Hollywood, it used to be. It used to be if you were over thirty, it was just all downhill from, from mm-hmm. you know, from there. But of course, now you know. Look at Jane Fonda. I mean, she's. Awesome. Oh, I know. No, I know, and it does seem like there are plenty of actors who are finding work after forty for sure. But oh, yeah. I think she feels like she's been. You know, she's been doing this one job, and she knows that she hit the lottery. You know, she hit the lottery with this job. Absolutely. And it's stable income. Um, she's, able, she's a single mom, and she's able to support her son and her mom. 
and she's also being blackmailed by her ex. That uh, is, so and he to- just sounded like a total creep. I mean, you did, you did kind of resurrect him a little, but well, that he was that that sounded pretty awful. And what her mom Karen, how it all came to be, that was yeah. You know, I know Karen was, was trying a to be mistake. a good mom, but mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes we moms have to step back, right? We'll let our yeah, kids make I their agree. decisions. <laughs> There's a right. lot of imperfect people in this book, yeah, and people who make the wrong decisions. Um, and and hopefully they're you know they're mostly redeemed by the end. But um, but yeah, I, so she's got a lot on her plate. She's found this great, fantastic job, and you know, as a star of a soap opera that she's been on since she was a teenager. And um, when it gets canceled, she just doesn't know what to do. She hardly even knows who she is anymore. Mm-hmm. And she, her life literally has been, she's separated her life from being mm-hmm. on the set of Napa Valley with her Napa Valley mm-hmm. colleagues and mm-hmm. then having a home life with her son, Jonah, mm-hmm. and her mom, Karen. I mean, she really keeps it separate. And she hasn't even told Jonah about his dad. She's told Jonah no. that his dad is dead. Her, yeah, his dad yeah. is dead. Yep. So yep, she has she all did. these secrets. And she has this <laughs> fabulous boyfriend who she doesn't want to say he's a boyfriend, <laughs> who yeah. she won't introduce to her family. So <laughs> she's really trying to keep her life separate from her acting career. And because yeah. I, I suppose, um, you know, I mean, it's it's a crazy world out there. And there's a lot of weirdness, right? There is. I mean, and there's, uh, you know, and in a lot of ways, too, she's very normal. You know, she, she shops at Target. She lives in a pretty middle-class area of the, of the valley. Of the valley. Fact, mm-hmm. her, her home is actually, I, I, we had friends who lived in Simi Valley and they lived, um, you know, and it was basically the house that I described. It was, you know, kind of a ranch house that had three bedrooms. that had a pool in the backyard and it was a nice house. It was definitely a nice house, but it was but nothing extravagant. House. Exactly. There wasn't, you know, a big, long driveway. There wasn't a gate at the front. And I remember having a conversation. We were over there for a barbecue, and they said, oh, yeah, our next-door neighbor is a soap opera actress. And I thought, uh-huh. oh, really? No kidding. I mean, it's a company town, right? It's a, it's a yes. you know, L.A. is built on the entertainment industry. So you're, you could very well be, and he was an editor. You know, he edits, uh, he edits movies and stuff. And, but... <laughs> I just thought, oh, no kidding. I, that was not what I expected. And I'm an outsider. I'm a writer, you know. So I was an outsider looking in, and I was just kind of flabbergasted. It wasn't, it, it wasn't what I expected at all. Well, if you're just joining us, we're speaking with Sarah Lynn Brock. Her newest novel is called Daytime Drama. And it is just such a fun read about a, um, a very famous soap opera actress on a TV show called Napa Valley and all the things that are happening in her personal life and professional life and those around her. But, you know, getting back to what you're saying, Sarah Lynn, about the homes, of course, this is California. And everything yes. in California is so expensive. I mean, yes. it is, it's, it, it's, uh, it's really, it's crazy. I mean, right, right now, now with the pandemic, even, um, everybody wants to move out of the cities because they, mm-hmm. you know, for a while, everybody was moving into the cities because they 
wanted to ha- be able to walk everywhere and just live in a condo or a townhouse and not have any gardens or anything just so that they could go to coffee shops. Now it's just the opposite. Now everybody mm-hmm. wants to be out with big yards and pools and lots of nature around them so they don't have to yeah. see people, right? Yeah. But it's crazy. A shed can be a shed, you know, a shed or a dilapidated garage can cost seven hundred thousand dollars <laughs> which is a I mansion know. somewhere else right you probably remember yes. those things so when That's you why describe- we moved we moved from yeah. LA to Philadelphia because we were my husband was in the entertainment industry for a while and then he went back into teaching I teach two teachers living in a really tiny home in Pasadena and we were like this is we've had enough of this we need to get out of here to get something and get something bigger but Pasadena is so nice I love Pasadena I think that's a great uh, a sweet little town but you're right you're right you can you just have smaller you know it doesn't matter what you're doing and uh, but it hit me a lot when you were describing the house and how it uh, the outsiders and how her fans thought she probably lived this really opulent um you know, very, very rich lifestyles of the rich and famous kind of lifestyle when really it was just pretty normal. It was just like every day because I know just with me, with my, you know, with my acting colleagues, whether they're directors or editors or whatever they are, um, there's very few that have opulent lifestyles, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you have to be in that top, what, top, 0.5% 0.5% or something. <laughs> so well, yeah. I mean, if you're George your... Clooney or something, then you're going to be living in a mansion, but most people aren't. Most people, no, most people aren't. So, all right. So let's get back to writing it. So once you got the idea, it's cold in Philly and you get really yeah. excited with the characters. Tell us how the characters evolved. Are they based on people you know or you know, like Jonah, was that a friend of any, you know, a, a child of any of your friends? Or did they just come to you like in a dream? I'm always fascinated by that. Yeah, you know, my first book was really, it was set in Philadelphia and very close to home, literally and figuratively. And this one, I really wanted to do something very different. They're both about families. Um, but this one there isn't a ton of crossover from my real life into this book. I mean, there are little slices here and there, of maybe a character trait or something like that. I mean, Jonah is 12 and I do remember when my daughter was, <laughs> was in seventh was and grade that, that how hilarious those kids were. I mean, I don't think there's anybody as funny as a kid in middle school. They are mm-hmm. just hilarious. It's what, and they're warm and they're open and vulnerable. And I just, I just loved it. I love that age so much. It was just, her friends would just crack me up. But, um, (laughs) so that was, I was, that was sort of an an inspired, you know, inspiration for Jonah, but definitely Jonah is his own character. Callie is her own character. Paul is his own character. So, um, and I was, I really, I loved them all too. I mean, they were, You really, (laughs) really delineated the personalities of each one. I mean, I just thought Paul was fabulous. I thought, wow, what a what a catch he was. It was like, Callie, get with it. What are you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) You know, he's so perfect. 
And then I was so happy and I don't want to give, you know, do any spoilers, but um, I really, I really thought Karen was great too. And it turns out, you know, that you write that she actually managed Callie's career when Callie was younger because mm-hmm. Callie was only yeah. what 15 when she started. So Karen was really familiar with the entertainment industry. She knew yeah. about headshots. She knew about yeah. resume. She knew, you know, what it was like to be a stage person or the hurry mm-hmm. up and wait. You know, mm-hmm. she she knew oh, all yeah. of that. But she, she had given up her life to help raise Jonah to help Callie continue her career and still have Jonah be a normal kid. So that mm-hmm. was really oh, yeah. a, a very interesting twist, I thought. Yeah, and I love those. I love looking at families through different lenses. You know, um, often we're fed, you know, there's only one kind of family that's a true family and uh, with a mother and a dad and the two kids and the dog. And I like, you know, and, and of course, I love those families. I, I am in one of those families. But, mm-hmm. you know, but there's I many love different, writing about. There's, yeah, there's many different iterations of families. Yes. Yes, especially multi-generations now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I love having, having Karen as, as part of the household and, and a really important part of the household. She wasn't just being taken care of. She was... Oh, no, she, she was, was critical. Yeah. And oh, yeah. she seems like she was a hoot, too. I mean, she's fun <laughs> and she's obviously very, very dedicated to Jonah. Well, let's yeah. talk about Alan because he was definitely... Um, a very, he was a darker character. I mean, he was a, you know, a kind of a rock star. I mean, he was a great guitarist, but he would lost his passion for playing and, um, and had just decided to suck everything he could out of Callie's Mm -hmm. uh, success, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of saw them as sort of two sides of the same coin in a lot of ways. Um, they, they're both kind of stuck in a rut, you know, Mm -hmm. and he has taken advantage of his situation. Um, and he's definitely not a a moral person, but, um, but he and Callie are very similar in that way. And I had fun. I had a hard time at first kind of figuring out his voice. He's so, he's so different from me. Thank goodness. But Uh, yeah, thank goodness. And probably anybody you even know. Yes, yes. Right. Or, or I hope yeah. it's, I hope it's different than anybody because yeah. I don't know anybody <laughs> like him. I don't want to know anybody <laughs> like him. <laughs> right. I know. But he was, you know, but I also, I felt, I definitely felt sympathy for him. I don't yeah. think that he had it easy. I don't think that he had an easy life. And I think getting, I think getting old in this, in the entertainment industry <laughs> is yeah. really tough. Yeah. Well, you know, at first I did not have any sympathy for him um, mm-hmm. because I just thought he's just a jerk. I mean, you know, <laughs> what kind of what kind of person does this? And mm-hmm. then um, as the as you wrote more and things started evolving and you you know you explained things more, then I started having empathy for him and realizing mm-hmm. that he was really burned out, that he had really never explored any of his. He'd never done any inner work. Let's put it that way. He had. He just no. had stayed, you know, on one thing, and and he wanted to stay young. But nobody can stay young. We have to own no. who we are and yeah. be who we are always. We can't yeah. be somebody else. So no. he was not um, true to himself. No, but no, he wasn't. He wasn't. And of course, like you said, being the other side of the coin of Callie. 
um, she really wasn't being true to herself because she is just constantly having to be Jessica Sinclair. And so I'm not sure she knew who she was when she took off her makeup. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But no, your I ending, you, you, you really do a lovely wrap-up of it, a terrific ending, which I, I, really, it, I really liked. Um, I like what happens to all the characters. I oh, think that was, thank you. That I'm was so smart. Glad. And I, didn't, I actually didn't really see it coming for Callie. I, I no. figured, oh, okay. figured that Paul was going to, you know, he would be just fine. Um, Mm -hmm. and I thought I figured Karen and and Jonah as well, but I thought, you know, I just thought I saw a different ending with Callie and I'm so glad the way you did end it. It was really fun to (laughs) turn the page. Yeah, that was really great. (laughs) So, uh, we're coming to the end of the interview. I want Mm -hmm. to know if there's anything else that you would like to share with our audience. I'll be giving out your website here so people can find it. Perfect. No, you know what? I just want to say thank you for having me on the show. I'm I'm very happy to be here. Oh, well, I'm so happy to have you. And it, again, you know, it's it's not too often that I read books that are in that have so much of of what I know and my life mm-hmm. in it, you know, between mm-hmm. Napa Valley acting, you know, the mm-hmm. whole situation. I, I really loved it. I loved it. So uh, the book is called Daytime Drama. The author is Sarah Lynn Breck. And Sarah Lynn is one word, S-A-R-A-H-L-Y-N. And Breck is B-R-U-C-K. And that is her yeah. website. SarahLynnBrook.com. She's also on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. So you can find her there and you can pick yep. up a copy of Daytime Drama or her other book that she wrote as well called Designer You. So just before you go, Sarah Lynn, do you have another book in the works now? I know you're teaching, so that has to be challenging with the pandemic, right? Are you because you're a literature professor, are you doing it online or are you able to meet in person? I'm doing it all online. I'm doing a lot of Zoom, um, yeah. but it's been it, it's been good. Um, it's I, okay. Been of, yeah, it's it's Aren't been you okay. Out? I, I worry I, about I'm, my students. I, you know, um, <laughs> I was on. I can say it now. I couldn't say it earlier, but I was on the um, nominating committee for the Screen Actors Guild Awards this year. So, oh, for, oh wow, yes, and we're right in the middle of voting now. But for for the past several months, I have been, and I, I say this with gratitude because I love movies and films, and I love watching mm-hmm. all this. But um, so I've had to, I've watched absolutely everything that is nominated. And fortunately, being on the committee, um, most of the things that I loved got nominated and are, are in the voting. But what it meant also is participating in Zoom meetings um, two or three a day, <laughs> you know, yeah. with directors and producers <laughs> and the actors and mm-hmm. talking about all the different shows, which was totally fun and totally fine. But boy, you you get to a point you're kind of zoomed out. I'm zoomed out. How about you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zoom fatigue is a real thing, Cynthia. It for is, sure. It? <laughs> it, it is. It is. I'm I'm looking yeah. forward to the day that I can hug somebody in person and you Me know walk into too. a room and and see somebody's eyes in person and know I that can't they're wearing. Wait to give a big hug. 
Yeah, and know that they're wearing more than underwear under their, you know, their suit top. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. Again, listeners, check out Daytime Drama. You can probably find it any place online, but uh, definitely go to her website, uh, sarahlynnbruck.com. Well, best of success to you, and I hope you keep warm in Philly. Good luck with that. I hope it'll stay Thank you, Cynthia. Say hi to the Bay Area for me. I will. I'm throwing kisses now. We actually have rain today, which has been great because we've had no winter. It's been, we've had Februarys in the 70s and 80s. So, um, I mean, I'm not complaining, but our gardens need rain. (laughs) So thank you again, Sarah Lynn. Her book, Daytime Drama. You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. I'll be back in a bit with more, so don't go away. Be the star you The star you are, be the star you are, you are the star. Change your world, change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites, here's Cynthia Bryan. Sometimes we all need an attitude adjustment. Every day it is important to have a positive input into your business life. We are creatures of habit and it's so easy to get bogged down with the latest bad news or the financial failures of those around us. The words you use determine the attitude you project. So be cautious that you're using success talk, not poor me talk. What we think about and talk about comes about. So how about adjusting our attitudes to create the outcome we want in our daily encounters? Be enthusiastic about your next project, and the chances are you will recruit many people who want to play on your team. Even when you seem to hit a stone wall, keep in mind there are always ways to get around it, go over it, through it, or just plain knock it down. So don't give up. Adjust your attitude to one of success, and that's probably what you'll achieve. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's Cynthia Bryan, Bryan with an I, dot com. Be the star you are. The star you The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. 
It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryant. Now, back to the power party. This business of show. Well, this was a star style party. Again, talking about Hollywood and acting and Napa Valley. That was kind of fun. But, you know, now I want to help do some empowerment things here and help you to lessen your stress and promote creativity because the pressure we are we create on ourselves really does lead to stress and to burnout and there are some ways that we can prevent both stress and burnout uh, if we can just be cognitive of it first of all we have to establish a healthy morning routine it will really help you keep centered feel better, it helps you feel in control, and you just want to find out what works for you and stick to it. For example, for me, several years ago, I just decided to start meditating. I started with a couple of minutes, worked up to 20 minutes. I do 20 minutes every day. It has been a life changer and a lifesaver. Um, getting enough sleep has also been just incredibly helpful. I used to live on three or four hours of sleep. I was one of those people that had the comment that, hey, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And then you start realizing you are going to be dead if you don't sleep. So I highly recommend getting enough sleep and maybe trying a little meditation. It can be anything simple. I do mine outside in nature and it just connects me and it helps me focus for the day. I find that I just don't get angry when somebody cuts me off in traffic. It's just been Terrific. So I would suggest give that a try. Another thing is to create a to-do list that's simple and realistic. You want to limit yourself to just a few tasks to accomplish each day and then make revisions as needed. I make my to-do list the night before so I can look at it and then I can go to sleep knowing, okay, I'm already organized. Then learn about who and what inspires you. And if possible, incorporate those lessons and insights into your life. That could be by reading a book, taking a seminar, you know, um, watching a show, whatever that is, it's really important. And when it comes to decision making, ask yourself this question. If you say yes to something, what are you going to have to say no to? And it's really important because if you, for example, say yes to being the chairperson of a committee, does that mean you're going to spend less time with your family or your friends or your loved ones? So while making choices in the moment is neither inherently good or bad, by asking yourself that that simple question, if I say yes to this, what we'll have to say no to will help you determine your long-term goals and prioritize them. Now, during this pandemic, it seems that so many people have been gaining weight. And of course, it's pretty normal over the holiday season to gain weight, you know, between Thanksgiving and Christmas. But the pandemic with so many people being at home and being stressed, they just seem to be munching more and weight has been going up. So adding um, fresh fruits, vegetables that are, uh, you know, rich and nutrient rich is going to be helpful as opposed to having sweets and carbohydrate heavy foods, because those are the ones that are largely responsible for unwanted weight gain. Um, 
we have to just make a reality check. In addition to seeing a higher number on the scale, many people notice a reduction in their muscle tone because they haven't been exercising regularly. And that contributes to a negative body image. The average weight gain literally in during holidays is like five pounds. But if you add five pounds every year in five pounds, um, in five years, you've got 25 pounds and that's extra fat. And it's usually carried in the abdomen or around the waist, which causes inflammation and can aggravate heart disease and other things. So we have to stop that weight creep. And rather than hiding the extra pounds under big sweaters, maybe we can do some of these other things to keep our weight in control during this pandemic. So one thing is to plan ahead. And that means maybe shop for several days of food at one time. And that'll keep you away from ordering takeout or getting fast food. It's also going to keep you uh, healthier during the pandemic because you don't want to be around other people and at the store that much. So just make a list and buy everything that you're going to need for a week. Aim for balance. Cut out the white sugar, the white flour, the white rice, the white pasta, the white potatoes. In other words, Cut out white as much as possible and instead use rainbow colors. Fill your plate with fruits and vegetables and um, a small amount of lean protein. If you are less active, then you really have to cut back on carbs and increase protein slightly and just be mindful of how much fat you consume. Be flexible. Know that if you are going to be eating high calorie foods, then adjust your intake to accommodate them. If you're used to having like ice cream or cookies after dinner, just don't do this every day. Keep them for a special occasion and practice portion control. You don't want to deny yourself any comfort foods. Just limit how much you eat. I mean, it's okay to indulge in higher calorie foods as long as you're mindful of the portion size. Cutting back on sugar is going to help you a lot because sugar is responsible for a lot of obesity. So limit that. That means cutting back on alcohol because alcohol has sugar in it. And if you are going to be drinking alcoholic drinks, especially a couple of them, have glasses of water in between. When you are aware of what you eat, you're going to be healthier. Now, mindless snacking, like if you're watching TV or all of a sudden you just have a craving, that can really pack on the pounds. So instead of bringing a bo- a, the whole bag of chips or Oreos or whatever you're eating, put a few in a bowl and then try to make it last. So think small. All calories are the same, whether you eat them at one time or over the course of a whole day. Now, for example, right now I'm drinking tea. I always have tea while I'm doing this show, and I like a little honey in my tea. But if you drink a lot of cups of of, of tea and you put lots of and you put honey in it, the uh, calories are going to add up. So I just put honey in the teapot a little bit, and then I just drink tea all day. Now you got to move it, so you got to find ways to add activity to your day. You can walk indoors. You can stretch for five minutes. You can stand instead of sitting. And, you know, exercise helps burn calories that you eat as well as that fat. And it increases your endorphins that are going to chase away the blues. So you want to exercise. So whether that means getting a stationary bike or, you know, lifting some weights or putting yoga on a um, an app or something, 
gyms are closed. I'm not a gym rat. I just like to go out and garden and weed and do that. So find something that you like. Dance, you know, put music on and dance around. And remember to forgive your indiscretions because despite good intentions, everybody's going to have a few slips. It's just human. And when it happens, put the error behind you, move on. So remain positive, keep your eye on a healthier future, and you will have a healthier you. Well, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for being just terrific listeners and allowing me to to join you every week here on uh, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Make sure you are tuned to Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel. There's lots of things that will inspire you and can help your life change for the better because I really want to make your dreams come true as well as bringing you some entertainment and edutainment. To make a donation to Be The Star You Are charity, please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. And you can also visit BTSYA.org. If you want more information about me, Cynthia Bryan, or Star Style Productions, please go to CynthiaBryan.com. As always, I hope that I have encouraged, inspired, informed, amused, motivated you See beyond your physical being. Know you're already the star you dreamed of becoming. Cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. And I always encourage people to read a book this week. It's like a garden in your pocket. And I think you will really enjoy reading daytime drama, especially if you like TV series or if you uh, used to watch uh, soap operas or still watch any kind of, of series um, or movies. It is a really fun book. So until we celebrate next week, remember that love always wins, kindness always previ- prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style. I thank you and encourage you to go out in the world and be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self. Make it a wonderful week. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference, and read a book. And thank you so much again for joining me here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We'll be together next Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. And don't forget to listen to Express Yourself Teen Radio Sundays at 3 p.m., where we're doing Super Smart Sundays. So more with writers, Wednesdays with writers and entertainers and entrepreneurs on Star Style next week, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. Thanks for joining me. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. 
We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. Keep caring, keep caring, keep going.